I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, Dogs 24-7. Haven't been with you guys for a few days, but we're back today, and we've got some stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Jake Fromm and draft prospects. It's They're they're all over the map right now, to be honest with you. There's some guys expecting second round. Wrote a story last week of, of a guy that told AL.com that uh, not a guy, but a scout told AL.com that the NFL likes Jake Fromm more than media and, and draft analysts do. And then you've got him being projected into the fourth round now. And and uh, we've got a little cool little exercise we're going to do with that. We're going to talk recruiting. But before we get to that, we're going to find out what quarantine life is like for Rusty Mansell. Rusty, what's going on? I've, hit, I've, I've, I've done the – I'm trying to flatten the curve on my calories. That's the way to put it, because I have peaked about week one with massive amounts of protein, carbs, cookies, brownies, you name it. I've cooked it. I've ate it. I have had the late night snacks. I've done this. I've done that. So I have luckily been a part of a group text thread, some buddies of mine, and we are on a weight loss challenge. We had to actually video ourselves weighing in. You had to show the scale what you weighed. So there was no lying, and that has really been good to me because since that morning of that weigh-in, um, I guess I decided not to be a JUCO D tackle anymore, and I'm going. I'm trying to get back in that jack outside linebacker position, and I have been walking, exercising, eating good, and just trying not to. Because I'm telling you that that they say that freshman 15 is real. That Corona 20 is real. I was listening to Bill Simmons' uh, podcast the other day, the, the Rewatchables, and they were redoing Tommy Boy, and they were doing Fat Guy in a Little Coat. And I don't yeah. know who it was who said it. It might have been Sal. I can't remember who it was, but he said that that's what we're all going to be when this when this uh, everything opens back up and we're trying to put on our sport coats or we're putting on our nice you know button-up shirt. It's going to be Fat Guy in a Little Coat, man. We've got to be careful when you move around. you got to be selective with your choices. It was amazing how quick I put on, like, 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 bam. Next thing you know, I was like, what, what the heck? is What? Scale can't be right. So I'll put a good dent in that. I'm not going to really give out any information because we got there's some, there's some, there's some fundage riding on this competition. So I'll try to keep everything on the low, trying to grind it out. Already got a good walk in this morning. Probably get another walk in tonight. But I'm telling you, it was quick to get that weight on um, that first probably about three weeks that we've been dealing with this, but man, had to, to uh, dial it back and no brownies, none of that stuff being cooked here at night. If they do, then they better do it while I'm gone. Yeah. My problem is I got a half gallon of uh main blueberry cheesecake ice cream in the freeze oh. freezer. Oh. And uh, I got into a vicious cycle. What now you get jumper cables with that? Yeah. Yeah. I need them bad because, uh, 
I got in a vicious cycle last night of uh, chicken leg that I had grilled. I ate a chicken leg, then I ate some ice cream, and I'm like, man, I got to get that sweet taste out of my mouth. <laughs> so I ate a chicken leg, and then I was like, man, I got to get that salty taste out of my mouth. I ate a couple <laughs> bites of ice cream, and uh, it got it got a little out of hand. But I, I have managed to kind of stay even, even though I'm not a walker. I cannot do it. I don't have the patience for it. Man, None of that. Kip, what. what's going on with you, man? I know you're killing that Peloton. Killing this. Yeah. I've, I've flattened the curve a little bit. I've flattened the curve of my weight loss. I've been breaking even the last couple of weeks, basically. You know, just doing what Rusty's doing, kind of uh, enjoying enjoying uh, and food, but then also kind of working out to balance it out. But you would think that walking to work every day would, would help out with, with our dieting, but it really hasn't helped a lot as much. I guess getting getting up from bed and walking walking over to uh to the couch or the chair this isn't really the same as as walking the work used to be no not at all <laughs> not at all hard to burn calories with nine steps or, or 20 steps or whatever it is depending on how big your house is uh let's jump into this jake Fromm thing and talk about kind of where he's at in the draft and this was rusty's idea gonna fully credit him over under rusty Jake Fromm selected at pick number 100. That's where the over-under's at. Is he going to be picked before or after that? Let me tell you, before, before, I, if we'd have done this two days ago, I would have said under. I would have said before pick 100. Now, everybody looks at that pick, and, and obviously everybody looks at that pick 100 New England. What, what makes you think a little bit here is New England has 87, 98, and 100. So they got three picks in that round. They and they have built that team incredibly by drafts. Obviously, taking one of the greatest players in the history of the game in the sixth round. But you look, New England's got eighty-seven, New England has ninety-eight, and New England has one hundred. Just talking to some people, and I have not talked. Maybe want to be clear. I haven't talked to Jake's dad about this, which we do talk from time to time. Kip, you talk to his dad, you know, a good bit. And we we know we know his family well from covering him. There is a team that has done a lot of work. A lot of detail and a lot of questions on Jake Fromm. From what I from what I'm hearing from people, they they have been they have been digging into Jake Fromm. As I look in that third round, they have pick number 103, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. So when you start doing the amount of work they're doing, maybe Philly is that team that's digging in on Jake Fromm. Maybe it might not be New England. Um, so. I'm going to say over. I'm going to go after 100 today. Maybe I'll change my mind next week. But those New England picks, you know, those New England picks, are they, they're, they're something to watch, I think. And they got three, two right before 100. So I'm going to go over uh, as of today. I'll go, I'll go sleeper pick 103, Philadelphia. Kip, what you got, man? I like it. I, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a little over what I, I would go with. I, I, I see him going – in in the third round, if I'm being honest, I, I look at like, you know, the 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 mid 80s. You know, a lot of teams are going to be looking to, you know, potentially have a guy that can not only potentially be the starter down the road, but kind of give him a safety net. And I, I think, I mean, Jake Fromm, that's immediately what he would bring to the table for any NFL team. And there's a lot of shaky quarterback situations out there in the league. And so, 
I mean, you know what you're going to get with Jake Fromm, and he's going to bring that stability at the, you know, potentially backup quarterback position as he as he adjusts to the NFL and, and tries to become a starter. So I, I think that 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 provides a lot of value for teams. And you know, as a Falcons fan, seeing how much we've paid Matt Schaub over the years, how much that guy's made, I think he's in the top. 30 overall in, in career earnings in the NFL, which is just incredible to me that, that he's been able to, to, you know, not just stay in the league, but just the the salary he's been able to bring in as mostly a backup quarterback is astounding. I just think that's a position where you should, you know, you should be able to try to find value and, and not overpay uh, for a player if possible. And, and so I think you know, a lot of teams are going to be just incredibly interested in bringing them in. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, Tampa Bay. You look at your team, Jake, Denver. You know, at the, just at the quarterback position of, in general, there are a lot of teams that are picking in the late 70s, 80s, who I think will find value in a guy like Jake Fromm at that level. So I, I see him going, again, mid to late third round right now. And, I mean, again, that, that number 87 pick that New England has, I, I, I think – he could be a, a, a good spot, a good fit there. But honestly, the latest I think he goes is I think he goes 88 to New Orleans. It just makes too much sense. Uh, I, I think I don't know if, it, you know, Taysom Hill is the guy for the Saints in, in the future, but they, they've had plenty of chances to develop him at quarterback. And yet every year that goes by, we're seeing him lining up in another position on the field. I know that they have Drew Brees, but I, at the same time, he's not getting playing time at the quarterback position. They should know by now what they have with him at quarterback. And, and so I think they have to prepare for life after Drew Brees. And I just think it, it makes too much sense to to try and have that guy be, you know, Jake Fromm. Huge expectations, not trying to compare the two. That's not what I'm trying to do. Or I'm just saying that as far as where they're at at the quarterback position and, and what Jake brings to the table, I just think he'd be a good fit for the Saints at 88. Um, I, I'm going to take the over here. But, Kip, you brought up a really interesting point, and, and it's the fact that backup quarterbacks are paid an obscene amount of money in the NFL right now. Yep. And in a guy that you've got, like, like Jake Fromm, who – I think that I don't. I don't don't really think that you're going to find an NFL team out there that's going to say the knock on Jake Fromm is because he can't handle it mentally. He can't handle the 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 mental aspect. Again, I think everybody would probably agree that that's his primary strength. That's his, you know, and and you know, obviously, I don't I don't compare these two guys really in any way. But that's his. That's Jamarcus Russell arm strength for Jake Fromm. Is that's his elite tool. He can run an offense. He can manage the game. He can he can do what he has to do mentally and, and get you in and out of the right plays and, and, and get the play called in the huddle and all of that stuff. And that, to me, is what makes Jake Fromm such an interesting NFL guy is because, you know, I've never been super high on Jake as an NFL prospect. Uh, you know, I, I do kind of – I wasn't really high on – and this was a long time ago, but I wasn't really high on Drew Brees' NFL prospect because of the size and – the lack of elite arm strength and things like that. It was the accuracy that that kind of the in his mental in his mental makeup that kind of made him great at Purdue. But what you run into there is, you know, I think Jake's has such a high floor because I, I could see him being a 12-year Chase Daniel style NFL backup because he's gonna be 
ready when his name's called. He's going to know the offense in and out. He's going to help teach the offense to maybe a younger quarterback uh, that that or, or a new offense to a guy. And I think that's a valuable tool. So I think the floor is really high. I don't think any of us really know what the ceiling is because you know you've seen guys like Daniel Jeremiah and 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 others point out some mechanical flaws there, some mechanical flaws that got worse in in uh, 2011. I'm sorry, two, I want to say 2011. I meant his junior season, the uh, 2019. Uh, but I do think that that he's going to kind of go in that 1 to 100 to 125 range. I, I, I see him probably as an early fourth-round guy. Maybe maybe it's not going to surprise me if he goes before that because, like Rusty pointed out, you do have some teams with a cluster of picks there. It kind of works out that way in the middle rounds. But I'm, I'm fascinated to see kind of what his career takes, what kind of role, uh, path his career takes because he's just such a high-floor guy. And 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 I think that he is a guy that can come in and win you a ball game or two at worst. Worst if he's a backup guy. I, I do like. I saw a mock draft the other day that had him to the San Diego Chargers, and I think that right there is a pretty solid uh, get there because of the weather. Um, you're you're talking about a guy that did struggle to throw the ball in wet weather at Georgia, and if you put him out on the West Coast where where San Diego is going to play in uh, Las Vegas, LA. they're going to. Yeah, I mean, they're going to play. They they play in LA, but they're going to play in Las Vegas. They're going to play. Uh, you know, obviously Denver is not the best case scenario there because of the snow. But you know, you're going to have some games where it might mess you up a little bit. But I think San Diego. I mean, it's LA. I keep saying San Diego. LA Chargers uh, are are a good fit for him because of the fact that just the weather and and the dryness there and the and the warmth and and all of that stuff. I think that's something that that kind of fits him well. And and if not there, I think maybe a dome team is the one that kind of takes a look at him. The only thing that makes me pause on Philly, Rusty, is just the just the elements and was, the elements of the yeah. of the NFC East. They they can be pretty daunting. Goes against everything that I I've said. Goes against everything I think. But it's like. Um, you know what you said about the the, the AL guys, the, the NFL scout telling AL dot com that the the NFL people think more high of Jake than than the people that you know covered him in high school and covered him in college, and we're all Jake Fromm fans. Let's, let's make that very clear. And uh, we've covered that young man since the tenth grade. So, uh, not to change the subject, but I'll go with a bonus pick as we go into the next segment here, Jake. I'll go uh, Jacob Beeson, forty ninth pick, Pittsburgh Steelers. That's an interesting one. That is an interesting one because they've kind of got a little bit of a of a feel for that with a massive body guy like Ben Roethlisberger and and kind of the ability to kind of hold up and and get your hand around the ball in the cold weather and all that stuff. And listen, odds are we're probably making too much of that. To I mean that that's just you know, and I'm not some not talking about hand size because there's a direct correlation with there. And Kip's done a really good job of pointing that out over at the junkyard at Dogs 24 seven. But it's it's one of those things that that we probably do make a little bit too much of of his struggles in, in the rain because, you know, it, he played in the rain like twice at Georgia, like two times, and 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 he struggled both times. I thought he looked a little bit better as the game went on against Texas A and M. The ball was still wet, but when it wasn't a deluge anymore, which it rained harder for Texas A and M than it did for Kentucky. It just didn't rain for three straight days. Yeah. Uh, like it did for Kentucky, and it was just soaking wet down there. But uh, we probably are making a little bit too much of that. If the guy gets to practice in the cold more and play in the wet weather more, he's probably going to get better at it. 
Uh, let's talk about some more uh, of Georgia's draft hopefuls. And, and uh, Kip, want to throw this one to you because you're the one that kind of caught this from Daniel Jeremiah. Isaiah Wilson getting some buzz as a first-round prospect. That If Isaiah Wilson goes in the first round, along with Andrew Thomas, along with about, I don't know, a dozen other offensive tackles, I mean, that's, that's going to be pretty nuts, right? Yeah, that definitely means that not only – not only was there a run on offensive tackles, which we already know that it's a strength in the in this draft. There's going to be, you know, four or five guys that go in, in in the first twenty picks, but that means that an NFL club or multiple ones had Isaiah Wilson in that top six. I mean, that's just one thing that he hasn't really. I mean, he's been consistently, I believe, ranked number eight among the offensive tackles, and and that was the really the thing that caught my eye about what Daniel said was not that one or two clubs might take him in the first round. He said one or two clubs had him ranked inside the top five among their offensive tackles. You know, we've been discussing Andrew Thomas, you know, we, you know, potentially being a top three, top five pick a a year ago. And and the depth of this offensive tackle class, you know, has him in consideration. I guess if we're going for over under, I guess the over under would probably be 10 and a half as far as where he would go whether that's to the Jets, whether that's to the Browns at 10 and 11. So, you know, that's kind of where he is right now. If if a team has Isaiah Wilson inside the top five, that means, you know, they have him potentially comparably with Andrew Thomas. And I just think that, you know, both these guys came in highly, you know, highly ranked, a lot of talent for both of them, just a different path to where we are now for these two guys as far as Andrew just kind of locking and loading, stepping right in, starting from day one. You know, Isaiah Wilson needing that year to kind of develop. But the one thing that we know with Isaiah is that he seemed to get better every single game he went out there. And, and so I think right now what you're seeing is is that that upside, that trajectory with him, the arrow is still pointed up in, in a lot of minds. So while Andrew Thomas is – just get you know gave Georgia three years of outstanding play, you know that steady force, but also like really high caliber of play from from day one till to the last game he played. I think a lot of people are looking at Isaiah and, and thinking that you know he still is going to continue to get better over the next couple of years in NFL as well. So I, I just think it's really intriguing just the trajectory of both guys with Andrew just kind of being right there top 10 potential top 10 pick a guy that you can just plug in for a decade and probably not have to worry about that position for for a long time and then now isaiah potentially creeping up into that mix and 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 having his name in consideration it's it's highly impressive and we knew this i mean we've talked about this that georgia they weren't going to field an offensive line or an offensive tackle tandem like they had the last two years for a while. I mean, that's that's going to be hard to replace and potentially, you know, we won't see a group like that, uh, you know, in the in, in the next decade at Georgia. These are special players and I think that's just something that, you know, Georgia fans maybe, you know, they didn't really fully grasp what they had at the position, but we know Sam Pittman knew and he obviously uh carried that into a, a pretty good gig of his own at, at Arkansas now as the head coach. And and now Matt Luke has to replace maybe two first-round picks at, uh, at offensive tackle. I think it'll be great for Georgia as far as recruiting, even with Matt Luke being a different offensive line coach. But 
incredible the holes that that he will have to fill. I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I see Isaiah Wilson, you know, in that top five. But if he's in the discussion, I trust what Daniel Jeremiah is hearing. And uh, as long as it's not coming directly from Isaiah Wilson's agent, uh, you know, there's probably some credence to it because we know the talent is there. This draft kind of stacks up to the 1998 draft, I believe it was, when Matt Stinchcomb went in the first round and Chris Terry went in the second. And then I believe you move on to the 2003 draft, if I'm not mistaken, Rusty, where uh, it was George Foster going in the first round and John Stinchcomb going in the second round. So Georgia could absolutely kind of have that kind of setup here. And in both cases, guys, it was it was the second round guy kind of having the more successful career. It it would shock me in this instance because I think Andrew Thomas is simultaneously one of the most talented offensive tackle prospects in this class and probably the biggest can't miss prospect in this draft. I think at worst Andrew Thomas is a is a six to ten year starter in the NFL if he's not a six to time six to ten time Pro Bowler. So it's just going to be interesting to see how kind of how that works out. Rusty, you you talk with some scouts, you have some NFL contacts, and not necessarily asking you to tap into those right now. But what, what do you think of Wilson and, and his you know his NFL draft stock and, and his kind of status as a prospect? I tell you, the first sign that I got of this um, was back in the fall. Now, obviously, I don't know if he's going to go in the first round or not. I don't know if he's going to go in the second round, which I think he will at some point. But I had a very good source tell me that an NFL GM came to Georgia, spent two days, and that's, that's not uncommon. I had to report on those things because those guys come in and come out, you know, uh, that an NFL GM sat in at Georgia, and he basically told Georgia's staff that this guy, Isaiah Wilson, is going gonna, is gonna to be a very high draft pick because of how big of a human being he is. There's only – so many that are, what do you think, Jake? What, what did he measure, Kips? He's 6'7", 350? Yeah, he uh, measured, he, was, he weighed in at 350 at the combine. And he and we've all seen him. He looks 310. You know, th- he, he is such a, for lack of a term, a freakazoid. When you see him in person, he's not the, the same player that Andrew Thomas is. And there's a reason why Andrew Thomas is being considered as a top 10 NFL player because there's, less than 1% of those types. But there's also the next type, and that's Isaiah Wilson. And what he brings different than some of the other guys he's being compared to is his size. This is a massive human being. This guy can move you out of the box um, if he winds up playing right tackle, if he winds up moving to guard eventually. That's what people – I see a lot of discussion. These guys get paid. It's almost like sometimes, Jake, they downgrade like, oh, that guy's a right. It's like us in recruiting with me and Kip. Oh, that guy's a right tackle. You know what? A right tackle starts in, in college football. Those guys get drafted high. A guard goes in the first round these days. Uh, when you look at Isaiah Wilson, when, when teams came in to see him, uh, the first thing they saw was, my goodness, that, that dude is huge. I'll never forget the, the SEC championship game. And I've said this several times. Um, against Alabama in the SEC championship, I, I was very lucky to stand beside Champ Bailey the entire game. We talked, talked, and talked. I'll never forget Champ Bailey looking at me and going, we had nobody look like that 
that guy right there. I said, that's Isaiah Wilson, a kid from Brooklyn. And he was like, I, that's unbelievable. Much less Andrew Thomas. He's like, I, we, we never looked like that when I was here. And he was telling me that I'll never forget this quote was, he goes, those guys right there, those are in, that's what NFL guys look like. And Isaiah Wilson is going to go up, uh, go up draft boards because once you see him, he's a good person. Kip's met him. Kip went up there to cover his commitment. We, we've got to revisit that one day, by the way. We've got to find that video, that three. We've got to revisit that at some point. But, uh, you know, when you, you see him interviewed, very polished kid. And, um, you know, I just think when you see him, his size, and he's going to move up some boards. And I, it, it won't surprise me to see him creep uh, into that early, early second. And if Daniel, Daniel Jeremiah, somebody I follow as well, very respected guy. If somebody, if they start making a run in those tackles, you know what somebody's going to do late. They're going to say, listen, we need to take Isaiah Wilson because he's going to be gone by the time we pick again in the next round. So I just think what he's got going for him is he is a one percentile human being in that six, seven, 350 pound frame. That is a massive, massive dude. He really is. I mean, he, he, uh, you know, I had a photographer that kind of freelanced for us for the South Carolina game uh, in, in 2018. It was Thomas, I mean, sorry, it was uh, Wilson's second start. And this guy had never really shot uh, college games from the sideline before. And when he saw Isaiah Wilson, man, you should have seen his face. It was one. It was like you'd just seen Andre the Giant or something. And you know, funny thing is, Andre the Giant probably dwarfs Isaiah Wilson. And that's really tough to do. But he's just so well put together. And and he's a you know, as you this the the saying you use, and I heard uh, heard it all through high school. He's a first guy off the bus type player. And I'm okay. interested to see if when he gets drafted. You know, chefs, private chefs, all that stuff. I wonder if some team doesn't try to get him down to maybe 335, 330. And, and I wonder how that affects him as a player because he probably played between 340 and 330, his enti- 340 and 350 his entire time at Georgia. And I'm just interested to see if you do take a little weight on him and he's still going to be quite heavy for an NFL offensive tackle at, at 330 pounds. I wonder if he could be. Uh, quicker and more agile and more and more uh, and, and just more twitchy as a player and, yep. and kind of get to that point. Jake, being doing what you've done before, and I don't get into this much detail, but I did talk to someone yesterday that that watches a massive amount of O line film, and the one thing they told me they see in him that needs to be fixed is hand placement, and obviously he's going to have a tough time sometimes playing with pad leverage because of how tall he is. Um, a lot of the old school, Lake Norman, some of these guys that listen to this, um, you go back to Bernard Williams, who was a first-round draft pick from Georgia in the early 90s, played with Garrison Hurst and Andre Hastings. You're talking about a guy that was 6'9", and he had problems at time with pad level. But that's the biggest thing with Isaiah Wilson is, is hand placement, um, not using his length like Andrew Thomas uses his length to the maximum ability and gives you problems. Isaiah Wilson will let people get into his body a little bit. So there's some things he can work on technique-wise. Uh, and I think people think if he cleans that up, then, then he certainly could be uh, considered one of the top uh, offensive line prospects to come out of this draft when we come back and look at it a couple years from now. All right, it's break time. Let's jump into a break real quick. On the other side, we're going to talk a little recruiting. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys. Uh, Kip, you had an interesting story here recently where you wrote about the guys most affected by the uh, by, by the shutdown, by the, by the dead period being extended. Uh Let's let's jump in here real quick, and and obviously this is mostly out of state guys, because the in state guys you assume have kind of seen Georgia enough through camps, through through you know the the convenience of visits. But in, in terms of of what we're looking at now, Kip and and the guys being effective, what's kind of your overall view of of the way this thing is kind of affecting Georgia's out of state prospects and, and and the fact that they're not going to be able to visit and they're not going to be able to have any face to face contact until at the very least uh, May thirty first. Well, we've seen over the last couple of cycles how important you know the spring visits are getting them on campus to to watch the team practice and, and G Day obviously had a huge effect on multiple cycles. I think the one thing I take from where we are right now with none of us knowing what the future holds, what this fall is going to be like, the rest of the cycle. And I think if you're Georgia, you're just happy this didn't happen a year ago with the last cycle. Uh, just again, we, we've discussed this, how last the, the 2020 recruiting cycle was the most out-of-state focused recruiting cycle for Georgia that, that I've covered in, in the 13, 14 cycles that, that I've covered Georgia recruiting. And so for for Georgia, you look at this 2021 class and I did mention two in-state guys in in, in my piece on Dogs 24-7, both the linebackers, in-state linebackers, Barrett Carter at North Gwinnett, Smile Munden at North Paulding. These were guys that that planned to visit out-of-state schools in their top group during this time. And and so Barrett Carter wanted to, to, to see Ohio State. And, and get a feel for for how that program you know is and and just the coaching staff the players there and, and small Monday wanted to go see Oklahoma and, and so these were visits that not only were they not able to take place but these kids had to start thinking about official visits and they had to start evaluating the programs that are going to get those official visits now we always see some kids 
they want to go see places that are further away from home on their official visits. They, you know, sometimes the, the local schools you'll be able to see, take unofficial visits to and see multiple times. But we, we might get into a time crunch where they have to, to make those difficult decisions on the official visits. They might have to see nearby schools uh, on the official visits just because they weren't able to get those spring visits in. And I think it really is going to have an effect locally on prospects like that. There are, for Georgia, there are some prospects. Obviously, they are recruiting nationally. And there are some guys that were heavily affected with this. I know that five-star defensive tackle Mason Smith at Louisiana, that was a guy that was planning on making his first visit to Georgia in March. That visit did not happen. That's a guy that, you know, you, you make the assumption that the in-state program is going to be tough to beat with LSU. Georgia is one of the few programs that can go into another state, whether it's Alabama, whether it's Louisiana, and and battle with those programs for their, for their top prospects in state. That was obviously a big visit that Georgia needed to take place. Now they need to kind of focus on getting them on campus this fall, assuming that visits are taking place this fall and the season is going on, try to get an official visit with him. I think they're probably at this point in good shape still to do that, but that just means there's more work for them to do. And and, and the guy that really kind of, you know, at the top of the board for me is Brock Bowers, the, the tight end uh, from Napa, California. This is a guy that it has become clear to the Rusty and I over the last couple of months since we kind of turned our focus from the last cycle to this cycle, it's clear that Todd Hartley has this guy very high on his board. You know, we're not going to sit here and try to name the top target at each position for Georgia, but Barack Bowers is a guy that Georgia really likes. He's very athletic, uh, and we have him, I believe, is it's the nation's number two tight end right now. He's 6'3", 225. He's got verified athleticism in the 4'5 range. And he's a guy that can kind of really do it all for you. He's versatile on film. He can block and do everything. Well, Georgia has recruited him as hard, if not harder, than every other program that's in the mix with him right now. So I think that what helped Georgia with him was they got him on campus in January before, you know, before that February dead period happened and, and before all visits got got push back and I think that February dead period now looking back I mean what a huge impact it played on this cycle just again no visits going on in the month of February now really none in March and April heading into May potentially as well but Georgia got him on campus he visited LSU and Clemson during that 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 visit block I think Georgia really did a great job during that visit kind of stood out to him you know on that trip set the bar very high and he also was able to visit Michigan, Penn State, Notre Dame. For Georgia, this is a guy that you have to make a huge impression on if if you're recruiting against the you know those programs, also being out of state programs, and knowing that he's got UCLA, Oregon, and Washington in his backyard. You know, this is a top sixty overall prospect in the country, and a guy that now knows he has the opportunity to play closer to home if he wants to. The value of that might be going up in this cycle just based on how everything's going on right now. So he's a guy that Georgia will have to win that battle, that crowded battle for an official visit and get him back on campus and sell him on, you know, going across the country like they did with, you know, Kendall Milton in the, in the last cycle, they've shown they can do something like that. But 
you know, this cycle it might be a little bit more difficult to do that with Brock Bowers right now. But as it stands here, you know, April 8th, as we record this podcast, I really like where Georgia is with him. And I just think it's impressive that, you know, they're able to to be where they are with a guy in California. Yeah, that's huge. And and, and Georgia's always kind of recruited t- I mean, for a long time, I guess, has recruited tight ends nationally. I mean, you look back uh, 15 years ago, Nadaris Ward out of out of California. Uh, you've got Artie Lynch, who they got out of uh, out of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, you know they've they've gone into some regional stuff with into North Carolina, gotten tight ends, and, and they went out and got Darnell Washington last year. They went out and got Luke Ford, who transferred back to Illinois, but they got him out of the state of Illinois. And then now, uh, you know, with, with Bowers, who I think, you know, and I, listen, I haven't done a lot of a lot of extensive tight end research in this class, but to me on film looks like a, a, a bona fide stud. He doesn't play great competition, but he dominates what's on the other side, and and uh, he, he's a really good-looking prospect. Rusty, do you have any kind of specific thoughts on on kind of how this dead period, is this extended dead period is going to affect these out-of-state prospects or, or maybe a guy in mind in particular? I talked to a coach this week not in the SEC, was not an SEC coach, but uh, obviously not in the state of Georgia, to make that clear. He told me, their staff, and this is a Division One program, they think when this is said and done, this is a team that recruits, um, I think he said, 350-mile radius from their campus is where they concentrate on the amount of kids they take from. He told me, that they're thinking they're going to shrink it to 250 miles because they think that kids are not going to go as far after all this is said and done because of travel. You know, are your parents going to get on planes and, and you know, how's, how's all this going to work and those types of things. So obviously we're going to get back to life, but do what point are we going to get back to where it was? We're not even thinking about this. I don't, I don't have any prediction. Maybe it's a year from now. Maybe it's, Three weeks from now, who who knows? But that was interesting to me from a Division One coach that told me they're going to shrink their radius. Now I don't even really think about that. That they think kids are not going to go as far. I think you're going to see some kids um, that are probably going to make decisions quicker because they know. Listen, I'm not going to be able to go visit, you know, this place this summer that I that, that I was going to visit. I know I'm not going to go here. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm really down to two schools. You know what? I think I like I've, I've seen this school enough. And Georgia, you know, with the West Coast stuff and, and out of state that they have shown under Kirby Smart, they're going to take a little hit because specifically at like defensive back and wide receiver. And let, and let me say this there's so you can go back and look at all these, and we don't get to go to camp anymore, but you can go back and look at how kids performed in camps and and they are such eval based on defensive back they get those kids in there dj daniel is a prime example none of us knew much about dj daniel and he goes to georgia works out they offer i think he goes to alabama the next day they offer next thing you know this kid is, is taken off uh because of his summer workout so there's going to be a lot of kids I'm interested with Georgia. They've got some guys, some some big time targets. But you know, you look at Nylon Green, Tony Grimes, you know, Isaiah Johnson, all those guys that are uh, takes. I would say, in my opinion, those easy guys are takes. 
is there that one or two guys that maybe Georgia knows, hey, look, we really like this guy, but we want to see him work out. We want to see him run one more time uh, in person. I don't know that those are going to happen. So I'm not specifically saying uh, a name. I'm just saying if there's some guys on the fence and they don't get to work out this summer at camps uh, on these campuses, it's going to be real interesting how all this plays out because Georgia, uh, like Alabama and, and Clemson and all these schools, are they do some heavy evaluating at these camps. I, I remember um, Tate Ratledge, young kid here, goes and works out for Sam Pittman as a at the end of his freshman year, entering his sophomore years when when Sam Pittman offered it. And and how big was that offer down the line? Sam Pittman wouldn't have offered Tate Ratledge that early had he not watched him work out and personally worked him out. So, you know, what what does it pay off down the line? You know, what are all these teams going to face? And will there be less, you know, offers in the in the younger classes go out? It's all unfolding in front of us. So those are things that I would watch as far as, uh, you know, how, how this is going to affect summer recruiting and, and, and new offers and, you know, recruiting boards. I mean, you, you're kind of playing a, a tiny little violin for, for these coaches. I mean, you, more so for the players because they're going to have to make some decisions based yeah, off of definitely. less information than they've ever had. I mean, the coaches, I mean, these they get paid a lot of money and they're going to figure it out and, and, and they're going to deal with it. And most of them are going to do it without whining about it. But it does create some problems. And, and you know, there, it's, it'll be interesting to look back on this class maybe in four or five years and see – Hey man, this this class was a little down for this school because they missed on some evaluations, and and you'll have something to point to. I mean, it's almost like in in you know five six months, you know what what's going to happen as far as everything we're watching. You know, there's going to be a gap in production because nobody's making any movies or shows or filming anything right now. So there's going to be an impact down the road from everything that's being missed right now. And recruiting is kind of in that same vein as we're going to look down and see some misses and. Uh, see some guys that were taken that maybe not, maybe wouldn't have if they would have had a chance to see, uh, see some of these guys work out in person. And, and on the flip side of that, maybe some mid-major schools, maybe some group of five schools end up benefiting from a guy that would have emerged as a stud in a June camp at Georgia or 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 your Florida or or Alabama or something that that guy doesn't get noticed. He ends up going to Memphis or Central Florida and, and becomes a, a bona fide superstar. Uh, just because he wasn't necessarily noticed coming out of high school, and and all of that's going to be you know part of the fallout of this whole thing. That it, it's kind of, I think, a little bit naive to to suggest that something like that's not going to happen. Uh, for for this episode of Junkyard Dogcast, though, we're out of time. Uh, we 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 thank everybody for listening. Hope everybody's staying safe out there. Hope everybody is uh, is kind of social distancing, and and hope uh, hope we can all return to life as we knew it. Uh, before very very soon and everybody can go on their vacations and and get football season and all of that but uh until next week that's all we got take care i'm jake Rowe with dogs 24 7 this is kip adams and rusty mansell dogs 24 7 and this has been the junkyard dog cast take it easy everybody Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.